Welcome everybody to the Wright County GOP podcast. As usual, I must start off with the disclaimer that the views and opinions we discuss here today are solely that of mine and my guest, Dan Schoenhart, today. And you cannot hold us or you cannot hold the executive board or the general board or anybody uh, responsible for any of our opinions, however crazy you may find them to be. That being said, Dan Schoenhart, welcome. Happy to be here. Good, good, good. You do look, you do look happy <laughs> and, and a, little, uh, a little more easygoing these days. Uh, yeah, yeah, life got a lot easier some months ago. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that <laughs> coincided with. Uh, so we're just going to kind of do the usual thing where we go through his early years, what led him to Wright County politics. Um, he's a business owner, which I'm, uh, I'm always interested to hear how that goes, uh, depending on different administrations. Um, and then we'll end up like we did with Anna with some national stuff. So where did you grow up? Take us through your childhood up till um, you basically found Wright County politics. Okay, I was, uh, you know, western suburbs, Plymouth, Maple Grove. Um, okay. So I've always been real local here and, and uh, um, my dad started a um, company remodeling company focusing on decks with his brother-in-law back in the early 90s sns decks unlimited schoenhart schneider of oh. course jeff calls it the other way schneider and schoenhart yeah yeah um and uh you know, so you know we were in your typical starter home and then things were going well so we you know got a nicer house in uh plymouth every time moving further and further west and um, ended up in Rockford, well, Greenfield. Mm -hmm. um, we had three acres there, and uh, nice. Dad built a shop. And and uh, one day driving home from a job, he saw an old John Deere Model B on the side of the road for sale, and it was the same one, same year that his grandpa had on his farm. This is a, just a John Deere tractor. Just a John Deere tractor, yeah, okay. Model B, so the two-cylinder. So we stopped in, and then he started collecting John Deere tractors. Oh. Ended up with seven of those two-cylinder models and need more room. So that's when he, as it was after I graduated high school that he uh, moved to um, Frank Frankfurt Township, Franklin Township, just outside of Delano. So finally then was when we got into Wright County. Where did you go to high school? Rockford High School. Okay. I graduated in 04 from Rockford. Got it. So, um, but yeah, that was it, you know, and with him having the, the business. And again, I'm, he's still the business owner, um, but it's just him and me, you know, we don't run crews. Mm -hmm. um, so, but he's still technically the owner, but I am doing a lot more of the bidding and painful paperwork and painful government you know, requirements and, and that stuff. So I, I'm very happy that he is still working and and still doing a lot of that stuff. I'm a hammer swinger. <laughs> yeah. I am a Neanderthal. I also so, like to swing hammers, but we yeah. call them beaters in the ironworking world. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yes. Uh, and yeah. afterwards, I need to probably ask you and have, have you give us some uh, 
tips and possibilities on a deck directly sure. behind me. That would be awesome. Sure. Um, so high school right into the work? Um, no. Um, I, I was very active in, uh, in uh, youth group. We went to St. Michael Catholic Church. So got involved in youth group, and I actually uh, discerned the priesthood for a year. Oh. I, was at, I was at St. John Vianney College Seminary for a year after high school. And I went absolutely nuts being stuck in St. Paul. Hmm. I was like, nope, gotta gotta get out of here. And that was that was the year um, that uh, Bush was reelected. Mm-hmm. So you'd be yeah yeah the or January fall. of 05. Well, the fall of 04. So it was. Yeah. So I had a sociology class, and. Um, there was one other seminarian also in the class, and we were sitting in the back, and it was it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. It was the day before the election. And the teacher decided, hey, let's go around and share who we're voting for and why, oh, starting in the front. And, you know, St. Paul, a bunch of liberal people. I'm voting for John Kerry because of stupid reason. <laughs> and it gets back to me, and I'm just fuming. I was like, I'm vo- I, I actually stood up. And I proclaimed, I am voting for President Bush because he doesn't support killing babies. <laughs> that went and, over real and, well. And she looked at me, that professor looked at me like, I'm going to eat you while you sleep. Yep. Just like, nope. And I failed that class. Never passed. I was going to say, never passed a test after that, I did failed you? <laughs> everything after that. And, uh, you know, of course, it's like I'm comparing him to my friend. Um, a seminarian who was from from the Denver area, um, but uh, you know, it's like, how am I getting all these so wrong? And so I asked my student advisor. He's like, well, you got to take it to the to the head of the department. Well, it turns out she was the head of the department. So oh, I was like, oh, dear. okay, well, that's it. <laughs> so I uh, I got a lot less serious about my studies after that. Um, you know, I still paid attention. I still had a good time. I still learned a lot. I learned a lot more from talking to the senior seminarians um, than I did with in any of my classes. Um, still very glad that I went. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, so that was that was that was my uh, higher education experience. Um, I have a similar story at the University of Kentucky where <clears throat> I had an English 101 class, and I got A's on all of my writing, all of my papers, until the last one of the year, of the semester, where we had to do an argumentative. And like that, all went around the room, it got to me, and I said I was going to argue that men are better drivers than women. And he looked (laughs) at me, and he first said something like, would you mean that women are better or women and I said no I'm going to argue that men are better drivers than women and uh, that was the only paper that I got a C on and his red marks on that paper were uh, I mean clearly he did not appreciate and it was most to be more of a joke but I actually did go through and try to research it as best as I could but uh, you know what can you do a misogynist right winger that's what we all are I guess he didn't appreciate uh, the challenge from the other side. No, 
No, he did not. Um, have you always, uh, well, I guess you probably just answered the question kind of, have you always been a conservative? And what, uh, was that something instilled in you by parents? It, it, it was never really a big part of the conversation. Hmm. It's just, you know, I saw, I saw how hard my dad worked mm -hmm. starting his business and, and, you know, trying to do things right. Um, you know, my parents are still together, a rarity, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, so those values were always there. My mom only worked part-time, so she was home a lot. So, again, part of those values of being raised by the family and not stuck in, you know, some room with 20 other kids at two years old. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, it wasn't pushed. It wasn't really talked about. It was just observed. And I know uh, how comfortable of a life I had. Like, I know we had some hard times. Of course, there were some down years and, and some struggles. But it's not like we were ever worried or we were ever trying to get more than, than what, we were, what we were owed. Mm -hmm. You know, if we wanted to go on that vacation all of a sudden dad's like okay well i need to get these jobs done first so all you boys are coming to work <laughs> like okay i i see the value of hard work and and earning what you get so yeah. um yeah the long of the short it, it was never really drilled on us this is what we are it was just an ex the example was mm -hmm. given yeah that makes sense. Um, how did you find, so now we'll get to your Wright County life. How did you find the BPOU? Or how did you find your Wright County politics? It was, um, so who was? You and Walter kind of found things together, didn't you? Did I hear somebody say that? Or? I, no, because Walter was always up. In, so... so So after I left college and I started working with dad full time, no, I didn't work with dad. He's like, I don't have enough work to carry you through the year and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I worked with another friend and who, who was based out of St. Michael's. So that's how I still stayed strong with my church and youth group and stayed involved there. Um, but I ended up um, buying a house in Buffalo, hmm. just on the north side of the lake. Where we are right now. And... Uh, um, which year was it when Sarah Palin was the vice president and John McCain was our candidate? Oh, eight. It was... Right? Was that, Obama's, was, that was that Obama's midterm year? I believe it was Obama's midterm year, the caucuses yeah, before that. Romney and, first, and yeah, then McCain. And I was like, okay, we got to figure out... No, it was the other way around. Oh, man. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to figure out how we get how we're getting stuck with these poor candidates who couldn't win mm -hmm. you know thinking McCain McCain I, I believe that McCain only did as well as he did because he put Palin on the ballot yeah um, so that's when I got involved with um, or that was the first time I went to caucus 
trying to figure it out, trying to figure out the process. And um, Julie was working evenings at the Monticello Clinic. She was doing medical records. And Julie is your wife. My wife, yep, Julie, yep. And John Paul was, he was walking, so he must have been two or something. So I had to bring him with me. Um, so I was walking in the door, and it was at the Discovery School here in Buffalo. And, and uh, I'll never forget Jameson Wakefield, great patriot. I, I, I think Jameson Wakefield, he's, him and Stacia, they're going to be missed when they move out of the state once their youngest son graduates high school. But uh, a great servant for the uh, for the Republican Party in in the BPLU and I shouldn't say servants servants um, for the BPLU and for CD six. But uh, Jameson, and current city council. Yep, of current Buffalo. city council member of Buffalo. Yep, I forgot that because I don't live here anymore. <laughs> um, but he goes, oh, looks like you brought another voter, or brought a little voter with you. And I looked at him and said, am I at the Democrat caucus? <laughs> and everyone around just lost out laughing. But yeah, no. So so that was it. John Paul, had, it, was, it, was, it was the first election since John Paul had been born. And uh, I saw the direction that the, company, that the country was going. And I knew that if it kept going that way, he wouldn't have the awesome childhood I did. Mm-hmm. You know, going camping, my dad taking, um, my dad having the opportunities to build the business and make money the way he did so that we could have our fun vacations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's when I started getting involved, trying to learn the process, trying to figure out how do we, how do I, how do I protect my, my son's future? Mm-hmm. That's why I got involved. And that's when I, and I didn't really jump into any roles or anything. I just, started going to the meetings mm-hmm. because they were here in Buffalo and I was just, you know, a couple blocks away. So it was easy for me to start going and meeting people and helping with the parades and other things. So, so that's how it all started way back then. What was your first role, official role? It was after the 2016 elections. Um, I believe Don Sapir was the current chair. Um, I don't remember who the other positions were, but he was getting, you know, he was getting much older and, and Don Sapir did a great job. The, the numerous times he served as chair, um, and they were trying to put together the next team and Zach Frymark, who works for congressman emmer he's i think he's been with tom ever since before he ran for governor zach's the big guy yeah zach's the big guy uh he called me one day out of the blue and said hey would you consider being secretary and i was like i'm a hammer swinger i can't type (laughs) (laughs) he's like you'll figure it out like okay you got do it you got two pointer fingers to pack with yeah well i ended up getting a uh I ended up recording the meetings. Oh, that works. Um, but I was told that, you know, the first one I went to, I pulled out my tablet and I'm getting ready to record. And just and uh, Kim Eichhurst, who was the chair, the new chair, is like, you can't record on that because that has internet, and we don't want the there, these recordings going out because there's a lot of personal comments that get made mm-hmm. in the meetings and that don't belong in the minutes, and so protecting other people so I ended up getting a uh, 
just a little recorder and so I'd record the minutes and spend the next I'd, 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 I'd type what I could and then I'd spend the next two or three days refining them and oh. getting them sent out got it um, so I did that for for four years um, so in that job it wasn't just taking the minutes it was registering for the parades um, and just making sure a lot of the simple stuff got done um, making sure communications happened while we were doing our caucus planning and convention planning and and uh, so I did that for four years and then the last two years I was the chair and then I said nope I need a break mm -hmm. okay so you went from secretary those are the two positions you have had. Yep, those are the only, yep. I don't know why I thought maybe you were an event coordinator in between those, but clearly I am mistaken. Um, yeah, no, I was never, there wasn't, well, no, there was the event coordinator. Um, but no, I was always the secretary, so someone else always handled any other, who, who was it? Um, well, it was Nora, or at least when I started. Right, right. Nora was my event coordinator. I don't remember who it was before. Okay. Um, what do you think? Oh, we should, and I think this has been stated before, but the Wright County GOP, BPOU, if I am not mistaken, is the biggest in the state, right? Yes. Yes, by by a decent margin. Um, I don't remember, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I know we always have the most delegates that go to um, the state convention, mm -hmm. which is determined by the number of votes for the top of the ticket mm -hmm. in the last election, the top Republican candidate in the last um, election. Um, the formula also falls for state central delegates. I, we have 10, I believe. The next largest is Carver County. I don't remember if they have seven or eight delegates to state central. Um, but the reason we don't, or the reason we're, we're still so big is because you, you look in the outstate and all the BPOUs are organized by county, and then you get into the metro area, and they're all organized by Senate district. And the rule is if a county has four full house districts inside of it, they can no longer organize as a county. Um, if we wanted to break up and organize by Senate district, we could. Um, but uh, the last two, after redistricting the last two times, um, that question was asked at the following convention, and, and it was always denied because we recognize that we're, we're stronger and we can make more of an impact um, as a county. Does that follow? Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I have friends who um, are still living in Edina, and 
that I've known since high school. And I remember once we moved out here, one of them made the comment, is there anybody that is not a conservative in Wright County? And I'm, the question is, it is, we're always thought of, I feel like, as a extremely right-leaning county. Um, but I've also heard that it is also, that it is a lot of pro-life Democrats. Do you think um, it's shifting at all? Or do you think we are, I mean, obviously you have to keep plugging away at your goal. Um, but I guess I'm just wondering your thoughts on the the view of Wright County by people in the cities as opposed to some people out here that are like, well... Yeah, and we can see that because we really are the closest to the cities where it's it starts to get farmland and people get a little bit more redneck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say that as a proud redneck. Me too. Um, and before um, redistricting, if you include every House district, Senate district that was in Wright County and that we touched. So there were a couple that we just had a couple precincts that were within our county. Mm -hmm. We had a total of nine legislators representing us in St. Paul. All nine of them were Republican. Yes. And yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, and then you look at the elections, um, this last one, we're not. I'm not going to look at Marion's because she was unopposed. So obviously, she had over 90 percent of the vote. But uh, like Joe McDonald, won with 70 something percent of the vote. So we're. I would call it center right. You know, I don't think that it's it's as hardcore right as a lot of people in the city might see us as. Mm-hmm. It is getting more and more blue with uh, expansion up in the Northwest and all the thousands of houses that are being built every year up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you still look in that and, and most of the people who are moving um, up there are the people who are fleeing the Maple Grove and the Plymouth and the Brooklyn Center, all those conservatives who, who know they're not being represented. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still a fair number of <clears throat> liberals coming out. Um, so I, I think it is getting a little bit more blue, but I think we're still very solid. Yeah. I, yeah, I would hope. Um, <laughs> but you can never underestimate the, the, the number of people who are unhappy with their own policies that they have to be faced with and then go... Well, I got to get out of here, and then I move somewhere else, and I vote the same. Right, because <laughs> because I I can understand how they I understand how they see it. You know, they they come out here and they want to be sympathetic mm-hmm. because that's how it's all portrayed. Mm-hmm. Why did we lose the last election? Because the left made it all about abortion. Mm-hmm. So you know they played on people's sympathies, which mm-hmm. was the only way for them to win. So I don't blame them for doing it, but that's the way it is people they want to be that minnesota nice when they clearly know um life was better it was flat out better under 
President Bush and President Trump. Okay, the price, the average price of gas nationally the day Obama took office was two nineteen, and then it skyrocketed during his administration. Same with uh, election day twenty twenty. What was it? Diesel was two thirty something, and now it's four seventy. And that thirty five hundred out there cannot be a cheap fill up no. that you drive. <laughs> No, for the past no. two Thir- years. Thirty-five. Yeah. Well, to be fair, is it a twenty-five hundred? Yeah, it's a three-quarter oh, ton, but still uh, very similar. But um, a couple years ago, I, I did the full delete on it. Mm-hmm. I get twenty-five miles a gallon at seventy-five miles an hour with that thing. Well, that's by simply taking off all those emissions bullcrap. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talked about before starting, the, the party of irony. Uh, I think I just had a conversation with a, a good friend here who goes, whose kid goes to St. Francis with mine, and he's a mechanic at Earnhardt's. A wonderful, wonderful place. They are not paying me to say that. And he was talking about in 02, I think it was, and you would maybe know better, um, but oh two when they started pushing all the diesel regulations, and it's when the diesel engines started to become garbage, and all in the name of saving the environment, you've now destroyed the miles per gallon. Yep. And then what do you have to do when you have all that stuff on there? Don't you have to go through like the regenerate or what's it called? Where it burns everything up and then still spits it out into the environment. Right. And I, I don't know the science behind it, but it. so so this truck, um, I actually, it actually came from Georgia. Oh. Um, it's a 2010. And, and uh, so after, after the 2020 elections and there was the Senate runoff um, down there, mm-hmm. um, and and that election is where I really started door knocking, really doing a lot more, um, because again, I believe President Trump. Now, in full disclosure, I didn't vote for Trump in sixteen. Oh, I voted the Constitution candidate Castle, I think his last name was, um, because I didn't trust uh, Donald Trump and his past politics. A lot of people. Yeah. And a lot, yeah. Again, and I have at, at that point, I saw it as a luxury living in Minnesota that I didn't have to support the Republican candidate because he wasn't going to win mm-hmm. Minnesota. Um, I'm so thankful that he proved me wrong, mm-hmm. and I was 100% all in for him um, in 2020, and knocked something like 10,000 doors as a volunteer. And then after that election and during the Senate runoff, uh, Kip Christensen, who was um, employed by RNC, was sent down to Georgia to help with that election and the campaigning and stuff. And one weekend he asked me to go down and he found some donor to donate uh, the airfare. And I went down for a weekend, um, knocked a bunch of doors came back up and on uh, took the red eye home Sunday night Monday morning about uh, 
9.30, I got a phone call from someone at RNC offering me a paid position down there. So after Christmas, I went down, knocked a lot of doors, tried to tried to keep those Senate seats Republican. Um, but that's where I saw the truck. And it's like, okay, so, so after all that stuff was all done, made the deal, got that up here. And, and it was uh, not too long after that that the... Um, the EGR system no not that because that's the one that's on the motor but the muffler mm -hmm. so it's pre-def mm -hmm. but it still had the solid state exhaust filter mm -hmm. and that was having issues so it's like okay so I had to go and get that done I had to get service I had to get it replaced or whatever and it was like $8,000 yeah or I could spend $1,000 and delete it all mm -hmm. so that's what I did and I'm so glad I did because it's such a better truck now. Yeah. And just goes back to the irony of putting in a whole bunch of regulations that supposedly are supposed to do one thing and end up because there's always a trade off. Sure. Right. You can, you can uh, make it quote end quote more you know uh nicer to the environment through its exhaust but you will then destroy its efficiency right thus requiring more oil thus requiring <laughs> yes. that and you know what i don't know the numbers i don't know the science i'm a hammer swinger mm -hmm. i'm not a scientist so i'm not going to get into all the all, all the all the exhaust stuff um but it it does it, it's that require it requires a lot less oil to operate it now and i think that's another big reason why the democrats pushed it i mean the republicans aren't the only ones that benefit from the oil companies mm -hmm. not that i want to go down a conspiracy theory yeah, road here sure. but you know they're serving it you call it irony i call it their serve they're they're serving two masters mm -hmm. sure and, and they know exactly what they're doing but the, I mean, what did it, what was its miles per gallon before? Like 16, 18? 16 up to now 25. 25. Like that's a pretty good metaphor yeah. for a lot of times what happens with yeah. far left policies. Yeah. <laughs> the difference in 16 miles per gallon up to 25. You know, there's a show that I really like, Parks and Rec. You ever watch Parks oh, yeah. and Rec? Oh yeah, I used to watch it all the time. Ron, Ron there's, Swanson. There's... There's, there's one scene that whenever conversations go the way ours is going, I always think of when uh, Leslie Nope was being, um, th they were trying to remove her from city council or whatever position mm -hmm. she had. Yep. These are all the products she did and these were the outcomes and she's sitting there crying about, well, that wasn't my intention. Like, oh, I exactly. Do I do remember. Exactly. I remember. Judge that. me by my many intentions, not by the results. It's like, yeah, well, I remember that episode. Yeah. Well, if if my, if my bank account worked that way, I, I I would be more sympathetic to that line of thinking. But my bank account mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. Um, it should be said, and it took me a while to remember this. BPOU, and I'm guessing most people listening to this know, but BPOU stands for. Basic, Basic political organization unit. Do you, where did that, has that been, where did that come from? I don't know where that came from, but that's okay. what it's called in yeah. the, in the uh, MNGOP constitution. Okay. What would you, well, what is the purpose? 
uh, of the BPLUs. The purpose of the BPLU is to uh, conduct caucuses mm-hmm. and the uh, endorsing conventions. Everything else we do is extra. Yep. Unpa- and, and I feel like that, as you said before, you were like, I'm ready for a break. I think it is always good to remind everyone that <clears throat> all of us on the exec board, anybody coming to the meetings, we are all unpaid. And it is a lot of time and energy that goes into doing things where you're obviously just doing your best to try to help your county right. and your community. Right. Like we're not, you know, not everyone agrees with everything, but for the, I would say 99.9% were for an unpaid position. You, you end up spending a lot of time and energy doing things that you feel are right and trying to help your community. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I tried my best. Um, you know, you can't make everybody happy. But you try to be fair, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I had people get mad at me on a lot of things and then I'd sit down like, okay, this is, I understand why you're getting mad at me and the way I'm doing this, but this is why I'm doing it. And then they can understand. Mm -hmm. And that, that's something I learned from Tom Ever. You know, being able to explain your positions and stuff. Because I remember after he lost his uh, his governor's race, and he was on the radio. Um, he did the morning show Davis and Emmer mm-hmm. for a year. The one thing I'll never forget, and of course I can't remember any of the topics, but it seemed like his favorite thing to do was going into a commercial break. Was you know, this is what we're going to talk about next time. And I'm on this side of it. And then all commercial break, and I'm thinking, what the heck, Tom? How could you be on that side of it? Why would you take that side of that position? And then they come back, say the story, explain the situation, and then he would explain his position. It's like, okay, I can understand that. So sure, he's had some votes out in Washington that I don't agree with, that I think he shouldn't have done. But then you look at why then you got to ask why would he do that you look at his background his his law background i believe was mostly in contract law so that's how he when 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 the democrats bring a bill or in the lap before the last election when they when they took the house back you know when the Gem- democrats had the majority when they would bring a bill and they'd give you 12 hours to look at it it's 50 million pages long yeah um, you know, it's like, yeah, you quick read through the bill and you go back to your background. His is in contract law. You got to think of that's how he's responding to it and voting on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to armchair quarterback it when you have three days later to read the whole bill and dive into it. And, oh, how could you read that? It's like, how could you support this? It's like, well, this is why. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's all the situation. So I've had a lot, I, I bring that up and use that as the example because a lot of people ask me why I so strongly support Tom, mm-hmm. you know, after some of these, um, the, the big thing was the, the, it's known as the marriage bill, yeah. the gay marriage bill. It's sure. like, well, that's why, because in how does, how does government see a marriage? 
it's a contract between two people in mm-hmm. the world of government. So as a contract, you know, how does that all play out? So that's yeah. that's how I still defend some of those issues. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. What would you say are the biggest challenges the Republican VPOUs face? And I guess more specifically ours here. The biggest challenge is, boy, how do I? Or you could go back to what you, what you felt the biggest ones you faced, which is very obviously relatable. Well, the biggest ones I faced personally was the electronics the websites, the keeping everything up to date and all oh. that stuff. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I went back to a flip phone. <laughs> yep. I, I, I'm a hammer swinger. I, when there was a problem with the email thing, try and get someone to help. And, and, and that really was one of the biggest issues. Why the website and email stuff it's like that's the biggest issue why I, I didn't seek re-election because mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't the right person to fix that um, but uh, so so it's it's keeping in contact because now there's you know there's so many people who aren't on Facebook even though it's the most reliable way to mm-hmm. to, to keep in touch I think um, and simply the distrust there's so much distrust in the election system right now that there's so many people that think why yeah it's like why should I give you my money instead of save it to go and lose an election because it's all rigged Mm -hmm. and that's that I think is the hardest part right now yeah, the and we talked about that with Anna, or I brought that up with Anna a little bit. Um, but I, you know, it seems like there's some hope with basically, you know, if you can't, you have to beat them at their own game and right. the ballot chasing. Exactly, and that's that. I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, so they. So, so the one thing that they really got caught on and got away with, they've now legalized. <laughs> okay, everyone listening to this has seen the, the video of the, the volunteer, air quotes, volunteer for Ilhan Omar, who was, you know, picking up the ballots of the 2020 election, whatever. Yeah. So they've now made that legal to a point again i don't know all the details on it it's pretty close to exactly what that guy was doing but i know there's still some limitations um and and that act in itself is why i don't buy in completely to the voting machines being rigged and hacked in Minnesota, mm-hmm. I believe, um, oh, what's his name? Swamp Watch. Um, not Baird, not or James O'Keefe. Or, uh, no, 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 no. The guy who's comes and does a lot of things. Uh, anyways, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know who I'm talking about. Yes, I do. I can't. But think his name. like, I understand. I understand. 
the technology. I understand they can do it. I understand. I understand that, and that may be done in other states. I don't believe that that is being done large scale in Minnesota because there's easier ways for them to cheat. Mm-hmm. And those other ways that they can cheat after it's found out, if it's found out that they cheat, like it's, it's harder to fix. You know, if, if the voting machines are rigged, all you got to do is count the ballots. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They're getting extra ballots in. Um, yeah, one of the I, one of the things that I found so shocking when Anna and I talked um, the last time was how Minnesota is the only state, I believe she said, where you can cast your vote, it is counted, and then they go back and figure out if it was legit. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean so, that's. Yep. So so the same day registration thing is. Um, yeah, you got to prove who, how do you prove that you are who you are and where you live, where you say you live? You know, every other state, it's called provisional ballots. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll fill, they'll still give you a ballot, but you can't put it through the machine. It goes in an envelope, and once they verify who you are. So, yeah, so we are the only state that, that does not have provisional ballots and has same-day voter registration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that would be a very... So, so going back to, you know, I think our first topic or how we started this. Um, yes. So, so according, according to every Democrat in the Minnesota state legislature, every other state is racist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are. Every other state is suppressing the vote. They're all racists, even New York and Illinois. Yeah. And California. Yep. They're all (laughs) racists. Yeah. Uh, um, so we talked about this a little bit, and you just said that you knocked on 10,000 doors, which is just crazy. <laughs> crazy As impressive. a volunteer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will admit that the, the idea of doing that is something that makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah. And, and, uh, but it, I'm guessing you're going to say that's a very important part of it. It was... How are we going to win elections? We got to turn on the vote. How are you going to do that? And and I felt more comfortable doing door knocking than phone calling. I hate phone calling hmm. because I hate being phone called. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone else, you, you get the you get the phone call. Hey, I'm from such and such campaign. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, here's a little tip for everyone: answer the survey. Okay, and now I know it's a little harder during primaries and leading up to caucuses and stuff if, if candidates are doing that because there's so many candidates but once the candidates are locked in and it's the party calling once you answer the survey they're not going to call you yep. they're going to stop contacting you if you tell them yep I'm going to vote I'm going to vote this way and as long as you're absolutely sure of your answer they will check you off the list and leave you alone. And then they can spend money elsewhere. Yeah, calling your neighbor who's on the fence. Mm-hmm. But the key is they're not calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's how I saw it. Um, uh, Kip, uh, who was who was the, what was his position? He was the... 
two-way coalition leader for the state of Minnesota um, under the Trump campaign in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uh, took a couple times for him to come over and, uh, you know, he showed me uh, the survey, um, how, how it all works. He's like, yeah, I just take out your phone. I showed him my flip phone and he said, okay. Is there anything else you have? So I pulled out the tablet and, and yeah, you just, you knock on the door. You're trying to get a specific voter, whether it's the husband or wife, it's, it's going to ask for the name because mm-hmm. in the system, the wife might be flagged as hardcore Democrat, going to vote Democrat, doesn't matter. Um, but the husband is, might be on the fence. So the wife answers the door he says ask for you know the husband or or whatever or there might be multiple voters in the household and and you just go down the survey and it's the same survey every door so Mm -hmm. you just you just get used to it yeah you know pretty soon you can go through and it doesn't take that long before you're keeping eye contact Mm-hmm. Asking the questions, keeping eye contact. Then, as I'm walking to the next house, I'm filling out the survey. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all about making people comfortable and mm-hmm. and and just it's it's not that hard once you do it a couple times. Sure. Okay. You've you've yeah. You've made me not so scared now. <laughs> if I get into this, um, <clears throat> let's go to. I want to go back to that oh. real quick. Because the, the way you ended that, you're not so scared. And it's like, okay, are you scared or are you nervous? Because there's two differences. Oh, cause... yeah. I mean, I guess I like I can obviously, you know, doing the podcast, I can sit down and I can talk to everybody. Uh, I have family members who, you know, are way far to the left. And if they allow the conversation to happen, I can talk to them right. just fine. So I don't mind talking. I, maybe it's just the knock on the door. Yeah. That's like, oh, what's this going to be? Yeah. Are they going to pour gasoline on me? But as we found out, and Anna said, no, you're targeted with houses that are likely not going to burn you to the ground. Yeah. And and that's the big thing. People are nervous about if they knock on the wrong door, is someone going to attack them? And no one wants to, (laughs) no one wants to fight anybody in their front yard. Okay, I, I don't care who you are. Nobody yeah. wants to do it. So the way I would do it is I always walk up. I'd either ring the doorbell or knock on the door. And then a lot of times I'm stepping off the porch, mm-hmm. you know, well, so I'm sense. 10 feet away. Yeah. So if they, so if they want to start, like if they get so mad, their fear, their first reaction is going to be to slam the door. Yeah. In which case I hit undecided. <laughs> Contact them again. <laughs> of course. Uh, oh, I just... How, so you've been knocking doors for a number of years. Has the has the addition of the ring doorbell changed? Do you get do you get yelled at through this microphone? Or I, I've never driver? been yelled at. Um, only a couple times have people talked to me through the ring. Yeah, and I've actually done a couple surveys oh. through it. So um, it might actually even be easier if they don't want to be face to face and human interaction. Like right. some introverts may not. Right. Uh, uh, but but after after. After I encountered a couple, I expected to do that more and more, but still a lot of people still come to the door. Sure. sure. Which I guess is a nice thing to see. Yeah. Um, 
let's move to your work and your businesses. Um, you have, a, as you said earlier, you are running it still with your dad. Yeah, so the construction business is still dad's. Everything is still in his name. Um, and, uh, yeah, been working with him since third grade. That's awesome. And then I have, I'm also a distributor for a uh, nutrition company. Um, oh. As, as a lot of people who've seen me in person, I'm a big guy. <laughs> I used to be bigger. That's... And uh, growing up, I was, I was a year-round athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, you know, I ate like one. Oh, yeah. And then when I stopped being an athlete, I didn't stop eating yeah. like one. That's pretty common with and <laughs> continuing to eat like one got easier when my wife got pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time totally. you get the you gain the sympathy weight. Yeah, and it's uh, her fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, you want pizza and macaroni and cheese again? Sounds amazing. Oh, fine. <laughs> um, but uh, when was it? Twenty. 17-ish or so, um, my health finally started getting in the way of my work. Oh, yeah. So, you know, tried a couple different things. Well, I actually was, actually, earlier than that, I was thinking, because that's when I when I joined this company, but before that, it started getting in the way of my work, and I tried a whole bunch of different things, and finally, I found this one that worked, got rid of, like, all the end-of-the-day pain. Ooh. was gone yes. uh, you know I, I would I would drive home from work and my knees weren't locked up I could get out of the mm-hmm. truck and instantly start playing with my kids again instead of having to hobble into the house and ice them for a half hour before I yeah. could play and uh, if you don't want me to get in the name and stuff I don't have to get into all that oh, but, well um, you probably know better than me what, what we yeah. can and cannot talk about yeah I'll, I'll, I'll hold off and if anybody sure. is interested uh, after my testimony they can reach out yeah um but uh, but yeah, I know I found this one that worked, and uh, th- that knee pain was gone. Um, I tried a couple more of their products. They have a great meal replacement shake that uh, that I I started doing their their weight loss regimen, and uh, I lost eighty pounds in six months. Whoa! And I Whoa. had I had a I, I I was a five and a half foot circumference. Yeah. And uh, that that got knocked down to uh, lost lost almost a foot. Wow, or a little over a foot. I don't remember which way it was, but yeah, um, right around there. So so lost that in six months. So then so in that process, I said if this can do this for me, I want to be able to help people. So I joined the company. It's not something that I work too terribly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. I do make more than I spend. Well, but uh, <laughs> that's an important part. That's that's life. the biggest part about these companies. Yeah. Um, that you're not faking it till you make it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. I, I I genuinely use the products, and I've seen the difference, and I'll always use them. So, I'm guessing this question probably pertains more to the decks, but it yeah. might to this too. What have you noticed being a part of the business, you know, or the ownership side? Between administrations in Minnesota, right and left, and then also nationally, because, and I say this, because I remember uh, my sister and her husband owned a distillery back in 15 and 16, and she said that 
once uh, Trump was elected and something must have gotten passed that taking a bottle from the back of their warehouse and putting it on the shelf to sell in the front went from like 70 cents cost or whatever, maybe it wasn't 70, but it, it went from a very high number of cents per dollar to, I think she said down to like three. Yeah. And yeah. I then said, you're welcome because they did not vote for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, she laughed and shook her head and walked away. Yeah, no, I think as I alluded to early on, I earlier in this, um, I did notice there is a big difference when there was a Republican in office, uh, the presidency, than the than a Democrat. Um, Twenty nineteen was the best Christmas I ever gave my kids. Um, that was the year we bought our snowmobiles and spent the entire winter break from school up at the cabin. Um, and then now it's, you know, it's work this summer massively slowed down. And I heard that all across the industry. You know, we know a lot of other deck builders and landscapers and, and maybe some of them haven't seen as large a slowdown as we have, but they're Mm -hmm. making a lot less money there. I mean, things are so incredibly expensive, not just fuel, everything, um, the summer of 2020 COVID we we adjusted every so often like it would be maybe two maybe three years my dad would adjust his bid price because we go to a job it's a new build fresh build we know how much work it's going to it's just we have a set price per square foot that we bid mm-hmm. and it was every two or three years my dad would adjust it bring it up to to adjust for inflation whatever sure. that summer of 2020 we changed we added we increased our bid price four times just because the cost of material was insane yeah and that's that's the biggest thing now is people they want these they, they want something they want to improve their house make it more livable make it more usable and it's, you just can't believe how expensive it is yeah you know yeah. we thought people had price shock before but a deck that that was seven or eight thousand dollars is now easily twice that in in just the span of three years yeah yeah that's crazy um uh what was i going there was something that i thought of while you were just saying that um i will think of it um as it comes back to me i had a conversation with one of my fellow iron workers and we were kind of joking around really good guy he's uh i you're non you know you're non-union but when you're union you get people from the hall when you get people from the hall lots of times they are coming from the hall because they really haven't found a company that they are with you know and it lots of times is because they're not the greatest workers so they are called hall rats. This guy, however, is the greatest hand we've ever gotten out of the hall. And we were chatting um, about, I can't remember what we were chatting about, but I jokingly said, you know, well, now that we just got done talking about that incredibly divisive product, let's, or uh, <laughs> subject, let's transition to something that's not as divisive. Let's talk politics. And he laughed <laughs> and said, uh, Oh yeah, you're wanting to you want to know what I'm how I'm voting or whatever. 
But what he said next was incredibly interesting. And he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a 19 year, or I've been, I've been working union for iron ore. I've been a union iron worker for, since I was 19. So he's 22 years. And he said, I'm, you know, I vote like that. I vote that way. And it occurred to me how, like, that's a fine line now, because as I've said before, that there's a let's go Brandon on 85 to 90% of hard hats. And it didn't used to be that way. But it, what it got me thinking of was, how do you, how do you ta uh, thread that needle being a conservative in the construction world? When lots of times it didn't used to be that way. And I feel like it is flipping more. Did you see your industry um, more left-leaning in the past and more right-leaning now? Or has your industry always been right-leaning? I've, I've never seen politics in it. Really? I've never, like, like when I was growing up in it and, and after I left college and worked for a year with, uh, with my friend and his company and then I got engaged and my dad's like, you're not making enough money with this guy. You got to come back and work for me. Mm -hmm. So I did. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, again, the company, it's always just been dad and me. And during the summer we pick up a high schooler. Now this year, John Paul, my oldest son is mm -hmm. old enough that he's, we were dragging him to the job sites, which he appreciated and didn't at the same time. Yeah, sure. Um, but, uh, so, so we never had employees. We never deal with the unions. We never yeah. deal with, you know, everyone we work with or all the subs that we'll have on, on jobs because we, we have a couple of home builders that we do their decks. So we know the other subs, the other framers because mm -hmm. we get there to put the footings in because a lot of times they need our footings for the porch also. And, yeah. and the electricians are always on the job the same time we are. And like... It, it was never, politics never came up. It was never a question. It was never an issue. And then now that it's becoming more prevalent, it's everyone I know is conservative. Yeah. The, um, after I got this position, uh, I actually got a call from Mr. Emmer one Saturday. And, you know, obviously I did not know the number but I was like eh, it's a 612 maybe I should answer this and it was him and we had a very interesting conversation and he had said you know it was good to see an iron worker from 512 which is our hall number as an outspoken conservative and then I got into the uh, the topic of how it does seem to have switched in our world which is weird because, you know, the L in the DFL is laborers. Right. And they have seemingly turned their back on the working middle class laborer. And, you know, maybe it's more of an issue of private unions, which a lot of us construction company, you know, iron workers, pipe fitters, all that are private unions. So the money stays within, it comes from within, as opposed to you know, teachers unions and stuff like that, where it's public money. Uh, but he had, he, I mean, he, he said, yeah, I, I think it is. It's, it's kind of starting to switch. People are seeing how much better things sometimes are when you have a less regulatory government. Right. Uh, 
but yeah, I don't, there, there was maybe a question in there or just a, a comment of what you see out in your world. Yeah, no. And I think the, the biggest switch in the industry, it's, it's not, you know, Ronald Reagan. He, he didn't leave the Democrat party. The Democrat party left him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. So in the forties and fifties, when abortion wasn't an issue, when the morals weren't an issue, the parties were much closer on a lot of things. It wasn't oh, yeah. as divisive. But once that morality came in, and I mean, I know people, and I don't remember the year, um, but but some of the older people in the community that I know from church who are very politically active, they remember going to... Um, the DFL state party conventions and being thrown out because they were pro-life Democrats. Mm. It's like they didn't leave the party. The party left them. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's, it's that, it's that the moral people or the people of this morality had to find a place and it was the Republican Party because the Democrats literally kicked them out. And I think that's... I don't really know how to answer the question because you really didn't frame a question. No, no, <laughs> I didn't. But it made me, it made me think of a, a, another thing, just kind of the switching of... The switching of the parties over the last like eight yeah. years. So, yeah, so that's it. So so when the Democrats made that move, they they went all in on the identity politics. Mm-hmm. So now look at what's happening with the before we started recording, you're talking about rebelling. You know, rebelling back when we were kids was <laughs> yeah. a t shirt and yeah. rock and roll and metal music. Yeah. And now it's it's your son coming to you and saying he's a girl. Mm-hmm. And that's so. So they're continuing along that line, and more and more people are leaving. That it's not so much that it's it's for the Democrats to continue on that road. They need to be able to empower those people. They need to do that through. Okay, we need to get more. We need to get more from these people so that we can give to these people. And that's, I think, is where you see this, the, the switching in the industry, in mm-hmm. the workers. It's not that their morality or anything or their ideas necessarily are changing from what it used to be. It's that the party is leaving them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, I agree. Let's... Uh, pause for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Before we go to national stuff, uh, I thought of something kind of related, but it's also a good transition. I remember seeing in our Iron Workers magazine that comes every month, like back in the winter, an article saying that our brothers and sister Iron Workers are Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. And I don't think, and consider this magazine comes out of D.C., that's where the headquarters are. I don't think you would have ever found that article in the National Iron Worker magazine, even six, seven years ago. Wow. And, and I think it's probably because 
our industry and a lot of our halls and clearly the the DC uh, headquarters of the iron workers is starting to say to themselves you know our our people are not our workers are not just fall down dem voting construction guys anymore and how that will play out or what that means it just it seems like there is actually some acknowledgement that the construction guys are not just total Dems anymore. And why that is, you know, I, there's probably a lot of reasons. Cultural, the insanity like you just talked about that's going on uh, in numerous areas, but who knows? Um, but Well, at least they're finally admitting it. Yeah. No, true. Um, and recognizing it. I guess that's but the bigger thing is that they're recognizing it. The question yeah. is, is it going to change any of their practices? Yeah, and I don't, and and I guess back to that, back to that, the, the coworker of mine who I had the, the conversation with. Maybe that's where that question was going. How, I understand the union wage, uh, the um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. Uh, fair, uh, gosh, I can't think of it. But the the union wage by public unions obviously affects our wages, and you know, the right to work state iron workers have much lower pay, but do they have, uh, it's just, it's, it's a very weird thing to have to, as a conservative in the union, um, you know, explain or because there's just not a, there's not a completely right answer to, other than other to the question other than well you know there's a lot of things going on in society that the dems are pushing that most people find crazy and uh the unions i yeah this is just a rambling way of getting to the unions are uh, obviously seeing that not all of their workers are behaving and thinking the way they used to but on to national uh did you watch the debates and what do you think of my idea that I posted of soundproof glass cases for each debater with just one mic turned on at a time you know that's it's the big the big winner of the debate was Donald Trump I agree um, I, I think with modern media and technology I think that that old style debate with that many people is just impossible um, I think I listen a lot to Glenn Beck and, mm -hmm. and his suggestion after that was okay yeah that makes sense and, and I believe his suggestion was instead of having them all up on stage at once have them sit down and record an interview and it wouldn't be live so that you know the person down at the end couldn't see the end but or see all the questions and formulate their answers but just ha just interview do a half hour interview mm -hmm. with each each person and then put them all together and air them at, at once like that's when it would find well, that's when people would finally see whose answers are what so it just seems like that would be a more productive waste of time it wouldn't be as a big a waste of time as everybody up there talking over everybody. It'd be more productive to, to hear it that way. I know it'd be a lot longer, 
but then you'd be able to with streaming and everything you'd be able to go away and come back mm-hmm. you know you'd be able to go back and revisit exactly what they answered on certain things you could compare side by side two people like if you know that there are some people out there that you're just not considering you could just totally skip theirs I mean yeah. I think that's the way to do it I think if you have more than four candidates you can't put that on the stage it's just yeah and you know I remember watching the Democrat primaries in 19 and I mean that was a clown show as well when you had I think it was I can't remember who it was somebody like the question was asked and then they answered it in Spanish to prove how amazingly inclusive and diverse right you know look at me and then I believe Cory Booker did the same thing the next time he was asked and and it was just funny to watch them all be ridiculous but then you watch (laughs) our our own side and you go oh man I was hoping this would be not as much of a clown show but then I guess you also think to yourself they're all human right so I mean it's obvious yeah it's hard to if somebody says something that you want to rebut it's hard to not talk over yeah and the other thing about that is it's gotten politics it's gotten so much bigger since Bush Gore Mm -hmm. like you go back to those elections and there wasn't any serious debate until just before the Iowa caucuses Mm -hmm. and by then the numbers had dwindled down because people run out of money and they drop out you know there's so many people so many of these people are entering this race because they want to be considered for vice president or or maybe it's just they want to publish a book and now they can put on their book former presidential candidate that's a good point I did not think of that yeah, that's up your it. up your own brand. Yeah, that that's all. That's all Obama was. He was just he was a first term senator. I'm gonna get my name out there now because I know I wanna I know I wanna move up. I know I wanna be president someday, and somehow he just caught caught on, and somehow won Iowa. I think. And yeah, well, I think he even entered late too. Yeah, like last minute, and then just became obviously. Literally, literally, but figuratively, but scary, scary enough, literally a god to the left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I remember reading reports and all these other things about how, you know, when he got in, it was, you know, a lot of people saying it was just because he wanted to get his name out there so that in the future he could do something. He can move up. And it's like, that's how everybody looks at it now. Yeah. Do you think Trump needs to attend these debates? No. No. <laughs> and, and here's why. As soon as he gets on stage with, with any other candidate, they're going to ask him why he handled COVID the way he did. <laughs> and then it's going to turn into an even bigger circus. Mm-hmm. And then that's the only way he'll lose a debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love for President Trump to be president again. I really don't want to campaign for him again. <laughs> Explain that dichotomy. There's a lot of doors I knocked 
They Ooh. said they'll vote straight ticket Republican, but they're not voting for Trump. He's too divisive. There's too many people who have that in mind. But even more so, I think more people will show up to vote not Trump. I think the best chances we have to flip this state around is if Trump is not on the ballot. Because that is the only way that Democrats will stay home. That's a good point. Um, I had a conversation with my brother this morning, and I wondered if this, if he ends up being the nominee, if this time around, are there a lot more people that have wised up to the insanity that went around last time, the Russian collusion, the famous, you know, hotel in Russia, uh, all of that stuff that we literally found out not recently way way later than it should have been was all completely untrue and do you think this time around people would maybe go i'm not falling for it this time when it comes to those things the answer is simple no <laughs> really the, the, how many people still think the the hunter biden laptop thing was a, a hoax mm -hmm. You know, how many people are seeing the media from the other side? And that's it. People people stay in their camps. So in terms of those stories, no. I don't think... If if people change their mind, it, it may be as much as 4% of the vote. Interesting. Um, the only thing that's going to change it is if people wake up and realize how cheap gas was when Trump was president. Yeah. How cheap milk was, eggs. That's, that's the only thing that's going to change it. Yeah. Okay. My brother will like that. He'll agree with you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that if he is the nominee, that people will look back and go, that was crazy last time, and we're not going to be as crazy. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are still going to be crazy, but I'm hoping that a, a, a decent number or the number needed for him to win will go, I'm not falling for it this time. I, I think that number is a lot smaller than a lot of people are hoping. Okay. Well, Simply because, again, it, it, and, and social media is a part of it, you know. What does social media show you? It shows you what you like, mm -hmm. you know. True. You spent how many years liking certain things, commenting on certain things, and that's the stuff that gains their traction. Remember, they're a business. Mm -hmm. They're selling ads. Yep. So, so they want people on there, and they're just putting ads on there. Yeah. They don't care what information's getting out. Do you have a favorite of, I mean, I would say the only ones that are even remotely viable are Scott, DeSantis, Haley, and Vivek. The other, there were two other, right? Uh, Asia has already not made the debate last time. Uh, Pence... Pe mean someone someone has told Pence that mean Pence is going to play well and I don't think mean Pence plays well uh, but do you have I a think, favorite was uh, the question at, at, at this time I don't think so um, again I would love to see President Trump again as president I think that's going to be an ex I think that's going to be the hardest lift of all of them really okay um, for 
because I think too many people are going to show up to vote not Trump. Mm-hmm. Even on our side? I think more of our side is is going to show up and vote. I, and again, I, that's the 4% that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Um, but there's too many... I want to say a word, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> there's too many people who don't know anything and they're too driven by emotions. Yeah. That they're they're just going to show up not Trump. And if we have any chance at turning this state around, it's if Trump is not on the ballot. Um, as far as a favorite, I don't have a favorite at this time. Um, coming off of deck season, so I have <laughs> haven't paid a whole lot of attention to the national stuff. I believe Nikki Haley is uh, looking as though, or she she's at least it looks like her numbers are looking the best it you know as much as i think desantis is a great guy for whatever reason he's just not taking off and it's th- like the, the shooting star that just didn't happen and if um trump gets out of the race somehow i think he'll get more he'll get the majority of the mm-hmm. overwhelming majority, yeah. almost all of Trump supporters, if Trump for some reason doesn't. Even the ones that say no, absolutely not right now, when it comes down to it, you think they will? When they come down to it, I think he's, either him or Christy Noem maybe would be the would be their choices. Th- that's why I think his numbers are down, because Trump is still in. Yeah. Um, Christy, yeah, Christy Noem, well, it doesn't look like she's getting in. However, I would love to look at her I for think, four yeah, years. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, consider, are are still considering her as an option because because there's so much, there's so many people in now. Like how many of them are going to burn out mm-hmm. and how many of them are going to, where someone can still pop in. Sure, sure, sure. Again, do the Obama route. Yeah, yeah. Let all the circus happen and then right before. Mm-hmm right before the deadline yeah. and right before no. caucuses and, and and the non I'll call them political lifers uh, mm-hmm. start paying attention yeah that makes sense uh, I've heard Mike Rowe say a lot of times that it seems like we're heading towards society going splat and I have again talked to my brother numerous times about this how it really does seem like it takes one thing, and I believe if it happens and something catastrophic, uh, it will be if something catastrophic happens, it will be surrounding the issue of Trump, where all of a sudden I get a text from my brother one morning saying, "Have you seen what has happened today?" Do you believe that we are heading towards a critical point? Or do you have hope for humanity? In in that I believe eventually there will be a critical point. Like Civil War-ish type. Um, at the time of the Civil War, the government had a higher approval rating than it does now. And the last time a presidential candidate was kept off the ballot was Lincoln right before the Civil War. Did you know that? And he still won. And that is what caused the South to secede. 
So the only other time that that a candidate, presidential candidate, has been left kept off the ballot was right before the Civil War, and that Did is the Republicans not have a candidate then. Uh, it was Lincoln, right? But so, the, there, was, so there wasn't a Republican on the ballot, is what you're saying? No, uh, it, the the South kept Lincoln off the ballot in because, the, in the Southern states. Yeah, because it was Southern Democrats, as we all remember, <laughs> we all know, but. Lincoln was kept off the ballot in the southern states. Lincoln still won. The Democrats, who are the Confederacy, we should <laughs> point out in, in in this scenario. In the yeah, in oh, the yeah, pre-Civil yeah, War. Yep, yeah, yeah, pre-Civil War, right? Yeah, and yeah, the the Democrats were the Confederacy, uh, and also the creators of the KKK. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, to see now that there is a drive to keep Trump off the ballots in certain states here in Minnesota that came up uh, do you have hope for humanity <laughs> that we are not going to end up in chaos no comment okay <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good call um, our our, uh, our our backyard or a guy right in our backyard who obviously you are good friends with Tom Emmer is being floated to take over, possibly, McCarthy's Speaker of the House. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, as I alluded to earlier, coming off of deck season, so I haven't paid okay. a whole lot of attention, so this is the first I'm hearing of it. Got it. That just popped up last night. Um, oh, okay. Who, uh, yeah, I guess we'll... We'll have to see. It's it's the the Freedom Caucus and Matt Gates who's pushing this week to oust him, and Emmer was floated, but that might be it. In in that realm of things, um, if it is the Freedom Caucus, it's nice to hear that they actually have a candidate this time. I don't know if you remember when they ousted Boehner, John Boehner. Yep. And it was like, okay, Boehner's out. Now who? It was like a couple days of, okay. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be Speaker of the House? Anybody raise your hand. <laughs> and then Paul Ryan eventually yeah. did. Sure. Um, so if if they're actually going to make that move, it's nice to see they're a little bit more organized this time. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I don't know anything about it. Sure. Yeah, that that would probably be a... It would be interesting to see what Mr. Emmer says if he was even... You know, apprised of that idea, right? Or if he's reading about his own name in the in the news and going, "What?" <laughs> but. Yeah, it would be interesting that that they would get rid of uh, McCarthy, but then still consider someone who is currently still in leadership. Yeah. Okay, well, that uh, that is all I have. What uh, would you like to close with? Any uh, any close any any deep thoughts for the Wright County Republicans? Deep thoughts. Well, I think we need to uh, make sure we turn out the vote. Mm-hmm. Um, we every weekend before the last election. I said, I'm going to be door knocking here. If you want to join me, meet me here. I hope this time people take advantage of that. 
people come out and join, help us knock doors. Um, but the biggest thing is going to be now that we can um, chase the ballots. It, that's it. We need to, we need to do ballot chasing, which is not ballot harvesting. Mm-hmm. Ballot harvesting is going and collecting people's ballots. Ballot chasing is identifying who has an absentee ballot and making sure they get it turned in. If we would have done that in the last election, I believe we would have uh, State Auditor Ryan Wilson, Attorney General Jim Schultz. Mm-hmm. Those two elections were that close. They were well within the margin of absentee ballots in red precincts that didn't get turned in. Um, I think there's something, something like, it's not a huge number, but something like six or nine or something like that precincts that are mail-in only. And I know one, at least one, maybe two are in Wright County. They don't have a physical location oh. to go vote. They're mail-in precincts only because they're so rural. Yeah. And if and the number of ballots that did not get turned in was just it it, it would have more than covered the Got difference it. in those votes. Yeah. From these solid solid red precincts. So. That's gonna be that's gonna be a big determining factor is 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 getting out the vote and chasing those ballots, making sure those people get them turned in. And and a big mistake a lot of people made was, well, I don't trust the system, so I'm going to fill out my ballot, but then I'm going to take it somewhere and turn it in. It's like the place you turn that in at is at your court, your county courthouse, not to a local precinct, not mm-hmm. to another voting location. So people were showing up on election day with their absentee ballots, and they're like, we can't take those. So, yeah. Door knock, ballot chase, make sure you vote. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't vote, you can't bitch. That's true. I agree. So. Okay. Well, uh, as, and I always forget this, uh, but at the, uh, I always forget this at the end. You can find us on www.right gop.org for our website find us uh, the Republican Party of Wright County on Facebook we are also on Twitter at uh, I think the handle is at Wright GOP Um, thank you everybody Dan Schoenhart our previous head chair thanks for coming over and giving us your wisdom for all of your time in Wright County so far yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, when you first asked me if I if I do this, I thought, wow, you really want to have the shortest podcast of all time. Not so. Uh, Hour and no, twenty six turned out turned out to be pretty good. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Dan. We will see you all. Um, oh, hopefully, we will see you on Wednesday. That is our next meeting, and then next Sunday is our fundraiser at Wico's at one thirty for bowling. One thirty to three thirty. And then the after party in Bison Creek to where you can still donate um, will be in the restaurant bar to watch the Vikings game. So now we're real quick on that. Yes. The bowling event. It's a PCR event.
Yeah. So we have a couple lanes where if you don't, if you want to come bowling and you you can't fill a lane, we have a couple lanes set aside for individuals. It's fifty dollars, and uh, that's what your PCR receipt is for. So you make a fifty dollar donation, you'll get a receipt and a form. You send that in, you'll get fifty dollars back. If if you're a couple, you can do up to a hundred dollars. If you want to reserve a lane and bring some friends, it's two hundred dollars. Um, and with that, if you're bringing friends, couple couples, a hundred dollar check that's fully refunded. You can bowl for free. Come hang out. Um, I think I heard a couple of our legislators will be there, so it should be a great, great opportunity to meet some like-minded people. And most importantly, that check that you write to, uh, if you were to write one that day, that goes to us, the Wright County BPOU, for a donation, and you will get that money back within, I believe, a week or two. Yeah, it's within two weeks for sure. Yes. So, couples... That you mail the receipt in. Yes. Couples, as he's just said, couples, $100.00 single 50 and you will get that money back and it would greatly help us be able to put money toward candidates um, especially coming up next fall for school boards which are wildly important and basically the sole reason i wanted to start this podcast was to get school board members on here so they can have a chance to tell us their vision instead of just writing a facebook post Do we cover it all? Anything else? That's it. I think that's it. Okay. Thank you, everybody. We will see you soon.